Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. Amen, amen. Well, this morning we're ready to jump into the Word of God. Are you ready? Amen. Well, we are currently in a series that's leading us in and through Christmas where we're taking the time to look at what it to wait on Jesus. We talked about this last week, but how many of us like to wait? Not many of us in the room. We have one person in the back that likes to wait. Most of us don't like to wait. I'm a very impatient person. I don't like to wait. I don't want to get. I don't want to wait in line. And typically, what happens? I go to a department store and I'll get in the line that I think's the shortest. Don't ever get in line behind me. I'm just telling you because the line that I choose, even though it appears to be the shortest, is the slowest clerk at the counter and the people with the most issues in line. Because I'm going to be there forever. Sometimes I switch lanes. Come on, anybody else switch lanes thinking you found a better route just to find out that that route's slower than the route that you were in? That's me, but I don't like to wait. So here we are in our walk with Jesus. We find ourselves oftentimes in the weights. Maybe it's a physical need that you're dealing with, a financial need that you're experiencing. Maybe it's a relational issue in your life, and you've been calling out to God, and you're like, Lord, would you send a solution? God, would you help me in this moment? But right now, God just saying, wait. Just wait on me. They that wait upon the Lord, the Bible says, they shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Why? Because they have found their strength not in themselves, but they have found their strength in God and God alone. Over the next few weeks, we're talking about individuals in the Bible that had to move along in this waiting time, in the waiting room of life, if you would. And we discovered last week that there's a choice that we have to make in life. As we're in this wait, we have to choose how we will respond, right? When I'm in that line at the department store and that line suddenly shifts into low gear and and gets into the rut of life and doesn't go anywhere, I have a choice of how I'm going to respond. As we go through life, we have a choice. Now, the interesting thing is I can't choose for you. And you can't choose for your spouse or your friend. You can't choose for somebody else in the room. And sometimes sitting on the outside, we're watching this occur and we're thinking, man, if they would just choose this, if they would just go there, if they would just rely upon God here, everything would be so much better. But how many of you know when you're in the midst of the wait, sometimes it's hard to see exactly what's going on. But we've learned that as we choose in our own life to surrender it to God, again, the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord, not those that wait for someone else, but those that wait on the Lord, they'll renew their strength. So it's our responsibility in the midst of this wait, in the waiting room of life, to make a choice to depend upon the things of God. Now today, I want to look at a person in the Bible that prepared the way for Jesus. Now this wasn't necessarily preparing the way for his birth, 
But this was preparing the way for the ministry that Jesus would set in motion. And I say set in motion because I believe that we're continuing that ministry that Jesus began while he was here on earth. I believe that what we are doing today, what we are doing with our lives, the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We personally are the church. This is just a vessel that we use. This is just a building which we use to gather together to refresh and renew. But the church is outside these walls as we go into the world to make disciples, to raise up other followers, to raise up other believers, to share that good news of Jesus Christ. But as we are in that weight, there's a responsibility, and we see that occurring in this gentleman's life. Some of you may know him. We hear about him in all four Gospels. In fact, his story starts a little bit before Jesus' birth, but we really see it in full motion about 30 years after Christ was born. Jesus is about 30 years old. This man's name, maybe some of you know, was John. He was the son of Zechariah. In fact, he's Jesus' cousin. We know him, many of us know him as John the Baptist. And I want to read to you kind of the experience, the moment when John is preparing the way for Jesus. In Matthew chapter 2, verse, or chapter, chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. Now, hold on to that. That's very important. He came preaching. Okay, hold on to that. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. He wore leather belts around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem, from all of Judea, and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see him and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Verse 11, I baptize with water, John says, those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon. Come on, look at this. John is preparing the way for Jesus. He's setting a course in front of him for Jesus. Someone is coming very soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then we find in John chapter 3, it says, you yourselves know how plainly I told you, John is speaking here, I am not the Messiah, I am only here to prepare the way for him. Three questions that I want to look at as we look at the life of John, or really just this occurrence in John's life, three questions that we've got to ask ourselves if we're really going to prepare the way for Jesus. Question number one is this. What do people say about you? I want you to think about that just for a moment. In fact, I want to pause just for a moment, and I want you to ask yourself that question. What do people say about you? 
If I was to, to be out in the community and I was going to say, hey, what do you think about Bob? What's your opinion on Bob? He says, you don't want to do that. <laughs> if I was to ask people in the community, hey, what do you think about you? What would they say? How would they respond? How would they describe you? If given the opportunity, what would they say? Now, truth be told, many of us really don't want to think about this. The answer has the potential of being quite humbling and perhaps even shaming. Because what we've done in preparing the way is anything but prepare the way for Jesus. What we've done in the midst of the wait is, is, is anything but representing Jesus. You see, as a Christian, as a believer, we are called not to just be ourselves. And how many times do I hear that? Well, I'm just being myself. Well, the Bible says when you give your life to Christ, you're a new creation. You're no longer the same. You're not who you used to be. You used to be a jerk. You're no longer a jerk. Come on, somebody. Well, I've just always been that way. Is that before Christ or after Christ? That's the question. Man, I know a lot of people. I remember this one guy. The last church I served at, this gentleman, he was the kind of the, the grounds guy. He would fix anything in the church that needed fixed. And, and I was talking, he was one of the nicest guys in the world. His name was, his name was Joe. Joe was one of the nicest guys I had ever met. I loved Joe. I loved being around Joe. He was an encouragement to me. And I was talking to Joe one day, and he said, you would not believe what I used to be like. He said, before Jesus got a hold of my life, I was the biggest jerk out there. I had a temper. I would yell. I would scream. I had an attitude. People didn't like being around Joe. But something changed. You see, Jesus got a hold of Joe, and I wonder, when you gave your life to Christ, when you surrendered yourself to him, what did you allow him to change? The Bible says you're not who you used to be. When Christ steps in, suddenly he takes out that junk, he begins to filter through that junk. Sometimes it takes a while. Come on. You ever cleaned out a closet? Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes you have a little bit of a mess before you get better, right? Cleaning out all that junk. We got to open up and say, Lord, whatever you want to do, God, however you want to do this, Lord, whatever you want to remove in my life, God, whatever you want to chisel away, God, it doesn't matter because I want to give it to you. I want to surrender to you. Even in the midst of the way, God, I give myself to you. We're called to be a representative of Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says it this way. So we, look at your neighbor this morning, say that includes you. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Oh, come on, look at that. He's making his appeal through us. In other words, we've got to let ourselves be available right? Sometimes that's hard because making ourselves available means making ourselves vulnerable to the situation around us. 
It means opening up and saying, Lord, whatever you'd have me to do, God, I may look crazy in this moment. I'm telling you what, there's moments that I've looked crazy because I've stepped out and said, Lord, whatever you have. God, whatever you want to do. Lord, whatever this looks like. Lord, I know that I'm in the middle of Walmart right now, but God, if you want me to pray for this person, God, I'm willing to pray. God, I'm willing to allow you to appeal through me into this life. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now, what does this mean for us? Here's what it means. When trouble comes our way, when we're in the midst of the weights, when we are going through our daily lives, even in the middle of the hurt and the grind of life, we are called to be Christ ambassadors. Some of you are like, I don't even know what an ambassador is. Well, according to Merriam-Webster, it says this, it's an authorized representative or messenger. Come on, look at this. If I'm going to have somebody represent me, if I'm going to have somebody represent Encounter Church, I want to make sure that they have the DNA of the church, right? We want to make sure that they follow the same belief system that we stand for, that we, we follow after. And that's what Christ has done in our lives. He begins to pour into us a new creation, a new behavior, a new lifestyle, a new fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says. Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He begins to pour those things into our lives. And he says, let me make my appeal through you, utilizing what I've placed inside of you. Come on. We are called to represent Jesus to those that don't yet know him. We are called to prepare the way for Jesus to give others an opportunity to allow Jesus to move into their life. That's exactly what John the Baptist was doing. That's where he found himself in the midst of this wait. As he waited for the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Again, 30 years after that first Christmas morning. Until that moment, Jesus' time of ministry had not yet begun. Therefore, John found himself putting action in the weights. That's sometimes hard, isn't it? Sometimes when we're, when we're in the midst of the weights, it's hard to put action to our beliefs. Sometimes it's easier just to sit back in the corner and say, I'm just going to wait for something to happen. But John said, no, 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 no. In the midst of this way, I've got to prepare the way. I've got to get them ready. I've got to be an ambassador. I've got to go where no one's gone before. It's been a long, long time since any of this had happened. We've got to have a spiritual renewing to prepare the way for Jesus. What are you doing in the weights. Ask yourself that question today. Some of you have been in this wait time for a lengthy period. What are you doing? What steps are you taking? What action 
are you taking? Matthew chapter 3, verse 3 says the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice, not whispering, but shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. Well, let's personalize this a little bit. Ephesians chapter 5, look what it says for us. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Would you agree with me that we live in evil days? So therefore, we've got to make the most of every opportunity in the midst of of the weights, you've got to make the most of every opportunity in your life today. Is it being led in such a way that people see Jesus through you? Why is that important? Come on, let's go back to 2 Corinthians. God is making his appeal through us. That means even in the midst of all of this chaos, even in the midst of the weights, his light has to shine through us. Look what it says about John in John chapter 1, verse 19. This was John's testimony. In other words, this is what people said about John. This is what they saw through John's life. This is what people were experiencing because of John. This is what Jesus was doing through John. When the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He came right out and said, I'm not the Messiah. Well then, who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we're expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I'm a voice shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be a slave or untie the straps of his sandals. John was simply identifying himself, not as a superhero of the day. When they said, who are you? He said, man, I'm the one you heard about. Man, I'm the one that's been down here at the river every day. I'm the one that's been baptizing people. I'm the one that's got the big crowd following me every day. I'm the one that everybody all over the region is coming to see. Surely you know who I am. Right? He could, he could have said that. Some of us would have been tempted to do that. Man, you know me. I'm all over town. Everybody knows who I am. I'm all over social media. I mean, I am going viral on Instagram. It is awesome. Everybody knows who I am. But John doesn't say that, does he? He says, no, I'm not the prophet. No, I, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm just a voice. 
I'm just the one that's preparing the way. I'm not the superhero. I'm not the solution. But I'm a means to the solution. I'm the one that he's making his appeal through. I'm a voice that's clearing the way for Jesus. So I wonder, what are people saying about you? And the second question that comes to mind is this. Does your life draw people to Jesus? Look what happened with John. Mark chapter 1, verse 5. All, look at your neighbor, say all. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now, up to this point, there had not been a prophet in Israel since 420 B.C. 420 B.C. So right at 400 years, it's been quiet. You can imagine the excitement that began to stir when this man in wool and eating honey and locusts and leather belt around his waist and probably looks pretty shaggy. He's down at the water saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. You can imagine the excitements that begin to stir. A spiritual awakening began to spread across all the region because this one man was willing to be a vessel used to prepare the way. Come on, look at this. In the midst of the waits. Come on, things weren't happening around. It wasn't like, man, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon with Jesus. Jesus has a cool gig going on. I want to be a part of that. I want to be part of his ministry. I'm going to tail right beside him. No, 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 no. Nothing was happening. But John was willing to say, no matter what people say around me, even in the midst of the waits, I'm going to allow God to make his appeal through me. But throughout the Bible, this calling doesn't stop with John. I believe that it's passed on to you and to me. Well, pastor, I'm not, I'm not a pastor. I'm, I haven't gone to Bible college. I don't have a Bible degree. The Bible says that we are called, that we are the church. My responsibility is to equip you, to give you opportunity. It's your responsibility. It's our responsibility together to go out and be the voice in the wilderness, to be a light in the darkness, to prepare the way for Jesus. In fact, Matthew chapter 5 says it this way, you are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
We, like John, we must resist the urge to hide that light under a basket, to hide it in a corner somewhere. We must look for the opportunity. We read it a moment. we got to look for every opportunity in the midst of this dark and perverse world, in the midst of the evil of the culture. We've got to look for the opportunity to be a light for Jesus, to illuminate the good news, to allow him to make his appeal through us. Let me remind you of something I told you last Christmas. There's four very important steps that we've got to take. Number one is this. As we're looking at this scripture, you've got to get a lamp. You are the light of the world. You can't be a light without a lamp, right? You go into your house late at night, all the lights are out, it's pretty dark. What do you do? You turn on a lamp. You've got to get a lamp. Now for us as believers, this idea of getting a lamp, this is salvation. This is the very first step. This is the beginning step. And the Bible says that every one of us has sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. So where's our hope? Our hope is found in Jesus Christ. You see, on our own account, on our own behavior, on our own, own actions, we can't earn our way to heaven. No matter what people around you may tell you, you may have some people that say, man, if, I just, if I'm just good enough, then I can make it to heaven. Here's the problem. You can never be good enough. We all sin. We all fall short of God's standard. So what do we do? We lean upon Jesus. I say it every week if we confess our sins. The Bible says that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all the unrighteousness. That's all the wrong that you've ever done. All the stuff that separates you and shortchanges you from a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you confess your sins, God's faithful to forgive you to cleanse you, to place you in right standing before the Father. It's saying, Lord, I need you in my life. I can't do this without you. That's the first step. Just, just go get a lamp. Just, just pick up a lamp. Give your life to Christ. The second step is this. Light the lamp. Man, some of us, we get that lamp and we're like, woohoo, I got a relationship with Christ, but we never plug it in. Can I be honest with you? That's a worthless lamp. That lamp's not going to help you out a whole lot. But when you begin to plug it in, man, things begin to change, don't they? Look at this. For me, I believe lighting the lamp, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong, a relationship with Christ, man, that, that's everything right there. That's the game changer in life. That, that's what puts you in right standing. But this baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is kind of that, that shot in the arm, the, the kick in the tail that sometimes we need. Anybody else in the house ever need a kick in the tail? Come on, that's like the, the politically correct way to say it. However you want to interpret that, go ahead. But that's what I'm going to say this morning. We need a kick in the tail. Because sometimes we're stuck. In the midst of the weight, we're just stuck. But we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the, the fullness, the, the completeness of what God has planned for you and I as followers of believers in him. We need the Holy Spirit as a regular part of our life. 
We're going to talk more about this in the early portion of 2022 because I believe that it's vital today. In today's culture, we need more of the Holy Spirit. Some would have you to believe that the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was just for the Bible times. I disagree with that. I need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. Come on, somebody. I need the Holy Spirit to drive around in traffic. About three times this week, I got saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost as I was driving behind somebody in traffic. Come on. There's some crazies out there. We need the Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you, press through the Word of God. Look at the book of Acts. Look at First and Second Corinthians. Let God's Word become alive and in you and begin to seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Step number three, place that lamp on a stand. What do I mean by this? You've given your life to Christ. You've surrendered yourself to him. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You have this new evidence in him, a life change in him. And suddenly they have an opportunity to go public with your faith. That's what John was doing. He was preparing a way for the Lord. And the Bible says he was shouting. Now, I'm not saying that you need to get a little soapbox and a 55-pound leather-bound Bible and stand on that thing and, and begin to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is nigh. I actually had somebody yell that to me at Walmart the other day. I, seriously, I saw this guy in Walmart, and as I'm passing, I say, Hey, how's it going? And I, I know who he is, and I've seen him around before. And, and I got from about here to, to bob away from him. And all of a sudden, he goes, The kingdom of heaven is nigh. And I went, yes, it is. I wasn't sure what was getting ready to happen, but I'm not asking you to do that. But I'm asking you to go public with your faith. Don't hide your relationship with Jesus Christ under a basket. Don't hide out in your seat, that same seat that you sit in every week. Don't hide out there. Why? Because the Bible never said that our faith was to be a private faith. Come on, let me say that again. The Bible, nowhere, nowhere, and if you can find it, bring it to me and, and correct me, but nowhere have I found the Bible says that our faith is to be a private faith and not shared with the world. But we just read it a moment ago. You are the light of the world. God is making his appeal through you. But if we put a stop at the end of that funnel, and God's trying to make that appeal, and it's hitting the end of that funnel over and over and over again, we've become a blockade in the work of Christ. I want to challenge you today. Go public in your faith. Be used by God. That's what John was demonstrating. Even in the midst of the wait, he was preparing the way for Jesus' arrival. And I believe that's what we're doing today because there's coming a day. There's coming a day when my God's going to call his people back home. Jesus is preparing a place for us right now. We've got to prepare the way for him, we've got to be a vessel that he is able to work through and make his appeal through. We've got to be ready and able to say, Lord, whatever you have, God, I may not have all the answers. Lord, I may not know what to say. God, I may not know what to do, but Lord, I'm going to make myself available to you. God, whatever you have, Lord, I want to be used 
by you. You got to get a lamp. You got to light that lamp. You got to place it on a stand. And number four, let your light aid those around you. In other words, just be a witness. Acts 1 8 says, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This baptism in the Holy Spirit, what's its purpose? Oh, some say, Well, its purpose so you can be a more powerful Christian. Well, that's true, but the greatest purpose is this so that you'll be his witness. So you'll be a witness for me in, in Jerusalem and Judea and throughout the world. In other words, here in your local community, in the outskirts and far beyond that, that you'll make yourself available to be used for the kingdom of God. And John said it, he declared it, I am a voice. Look at your neighbor this morning, not the one you talked to the last two times, but the other one, and say, you are a voice. Every one of us today have been called to be a voice, to declare, to prepare the way for Jesus. And I wonder, what is your witness today? What is your drive? What are you doing in the midst of the wait? After all, a witness is simply an individual that has the evidence or the knowledge of something occurring. Has Jesus done the incredible in your life? Has Jesus done a miracle in your life? Has he changed you? Has he transformed you? Has he given you a new life, a new hope, a new opportunity? Has he done something on the inside of you? If so, guess what? You are a witness. It's time to prepare the way on the screen behind me is a very simple question. Does your life draw people to Jesus? Yes or no? Simple question, but a vital question. If the answer is no, something needs to change. Because we read it a moment ago, we're the light of the world. Christ is making his appeal through us. And if people aren't drawn to Jesus because of the life that you live, something needs to change. That brings us to our final question this morning. Number three, are you preparing a way for Jesus? Now, here's what I found interesting in the story of John the Baptist. John was extremely intentional in his purpose. The Bible says that he came to Judea preaching. It's not that, well, he happened to be walking by the river one day and an opportunity arose. It wasn't that he happened to be close to the river and somebody said, hey, I don't know who you are, but could you baptize me? No, 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 no. John went with a purpose. He was intentional in his calling to prepare the way for Jesus. Matthew 3, 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness. This word preaching literally means to evangelize, to herald, to proclaim openly John was quick to declare his purpose to prepare the way not for self-promotion 
not to highlight himself, but to make a way for Jesus. See, shortly thereafter, Jesus comes on the scene and John ends up baptizing Jesus and Jesus' following became larger and larger and larger and John's response was this. He must increase. And I must decrease. And I wonder, what are you intentional about in your walk with Christ? What are you intentional about in the midst of the weights? Paul was a, John rather, was a forerunner of Jesus. John was a forerunner of Jesus. There is something that John had to do that I believe that we must do. He made himself available. He said, whatever it takes. Lord, whatever you need, Lord, it's not about me, it's about you. Lord, I want to prepare the way. Luke chapter 3, verse 2 says this, At this same time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people would be baptized and show that they have repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Now, some would try to tell you that that John's purpose, that, that why he was preparing the way was to bring the good news of repentance to the nation of Israel. But I would agree with others that it was a much larger plan. That this plan was part of God's plan to bring the good news, the word of salvation, forgiveness, hope to a lost, broken world. See, you never know the ripple effect that will take place simply by making yourself available. God is making his appeal through you. You never know what that ripple effect is going to be. I wonder today, are you willing to make yourself available? Well, pastor, when I get past this weight, when I get beyond the weight, when I get out of this waiting room, when when life slows down, then I'll make myself available. No, no, no. John's preparation started 30 years prior to this. Well, pastor, you said 30 years, but prior to this, he wasn't born yet. Exactly. Look at this. Luke chapter 1. This is why while his mom was... Had he, while he was in mama's belly and while Mary, Jesus' earthly mother, was, was carrying him as well. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. That's John's mom. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child, guess who that is? John, yeah, leaped within her. Come on. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you see that? Something began to stir at the mere presence of Jesus. Oh, come on. At the mere presence 
of Jesus. Something began to stir in the life of John. Not when everything came to fruition. Not when everything was laid out. Not when Jesus' ministry had started. Not when John knew with confidence and absolutely without a doubt that Jesus was the man, was the Messiah. No, 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 no. In the midst of the wait, God began to stir something even while he was in the formative stage in his mama's belly. John began to proclaim the good news of our Savior. That Jesus is the answer. That Jesus is a solution. No matter what the battle, no matter what the difficulty, I want you to know that in the midst of the waits, Jesus is the answer. The question is, what are you going to do? In the midst of the waits, what path will you choose? Will you prepare the way for Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, I pray right now. Hey, Encounter Church, thank you so much once again for joining us for Church Online this week. We pray this serves as a blessing and an encouragement to your life. Over the next few moments, we're going to take a, a look at one of Pastor Chris's points from today's sermon. Yeah, so Pastor Chris today talked about how God's delays are not God's denials. And that is just so encouraging. As we're waiting on the Lord, as we're praying about something um, that we feel like God is leading us to, sometimes the answer is no. Um, but that doesn't mean it's always no. Sometimes it's just for a season. Maybe the Lord is um, asking you to wait to build your character or um, to strengthen your faith. But God's delays are not always God's denials. Yeah, like thinking back, whenever I graduated from, from college, I, I knew my calling was to be youth pastor. But in the season, God said, not right now. Yeah. He took me through a season of waiting and to learn frankly, more than I could learn. Because if I were to jump into full-time ministry when I thought I was ready, I wasn't ready. And it, God knew what he had for me. He knew what my calling was and he knew that I had to wait. So in the moment, it was a temporary no, but eventually became a yes. We gotta be patient on God, wait on him and wait for his word to come to pass. And his promises are always yes and amen. He's a man of his word and he's never gonna fail his promises. Yeah, so it's very encouraging today. If you're in a season of waiting, um, just remember that God has everything under control. He sees the entire picture. We only see a little bit of it. So just be encouraged with that today as you walk through your week. Yes, and talking about waiting on God. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, man, I hear you talk about this God. Talk about who Jesus is, that he came for me. And I think I need to make that decision today to make him the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to give you an opportunity real quick to do that. If that's you, go ahead and uh, put in the chat that's you. Maybe it's an emoji hand, maybe whatever it is, just saying that's me. I want to help you come into a relationship with him. Just repeat these words after me as we pray together. And I believe that God will, will meet you exactly where you are. He'll forgive you of your sins and make you brand new today. So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Make me a new creation. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. And if you made that decision today, we want to celebrate with you and we want to send you a Bible. So comment in the comment section below so that we can get connected with you. Yep. Thank you once again for joining us for service online. We'll see you next week.